0: Welcome to Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. In this show, we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing. And I am your host, Ramakrishna. Let's begin the show. Today's our guest is Dustin Hendrickson from MailboxMoneyRe.com. Welcome, Dustin. Thanks for having me, Rama. Sure, sure. A little bit about Dustin. Through RE syndication, Dustin invests and helps other passively invest the way wealthy people make make and keep their money. He has been involved in RE from owning a roofing crew to build homes, to building homes, duplexes, and apartments. He has a passion for green building and collaborated with South Dakota State University Department of Architecture to build the first certified passive house in South Dakota. He won an asset manager over 100 plus units and he passively invests in other high-level RE syndication deals with reputable sponsors. So with that, Dustin, would you like to add anything to your background?
1: Uh, no, not really. I
0: would just say uh, wellness design. I have a, a passion for
1: wellness design, He's specifically in the green building movement. So that's the only thing I'd really like to add.
0: Cool. And uh, your company name, Mailbox Money RE. So would you share a little bit more about that
1: so my company is mailboxmoneyre.com. and what we do is we help other people to invest in this basically the same deals that i'm doing so i used to go out and do a deal with just all of my own money and i would do a smaller deal then i learned how to scale and so i don't have enough money to do every single deal by myself so then i go out and raise money from basically friends and family. Um, and then we're able to do larger deals. And then I'm able to get a return and they're able to get a good return as well. So it makes it more passive for the capital investors and it puts the work solely on my shoulders. So basically, I help you invest in the same stuff that I invest in. That's, the, that's what I do.
0: Got it. Got it. So, what is you share your thought process of getting into real estate and multifamily space? What is the reason? So,
1: the reason for getting into real estate in general was probably just because I had a love for architecture and I wanted to own stuff. Having rentals sounded really cool. And I always wondered who was the the rich guy that owned these massive apartments, these big apartment complexes. It was kind of unfathomable to me when I was younger that someone could own that stuff. And then what led me to multifamily was I got sick of construction and custom home building. And I wanted to figure out how to completely get away from building for customers and more for building for myself so I could own and keep the things that I was building. And then it turned into, that's how I basically discovered multifamily. And then I discovered that hundred units plus is even better So we try to stay in that 100 unit plus threshold, although we do do stuff that's smaller, but our hope is that we we keep adding on to it. So then eventually the complex is over 100 units.
0: Got it. And initially you have passion for green building and you collaborated with South Dakota State University Department Architecture to build the first certified passive house in South Dakota yeah so would you share that experience that
1: experience helped me a lot because it really made me understand how well you would have to build and insulate a house for it to not use any energy besides the sun to to heat it's pretty remarkable so that kind of helped me to understand how building science works a little more because you get when you build with modern materials you're kind of on the leading edge of things and you're doing stuff before anyone else has done it. And then you end up uh, learning stuff that way. So by going through this, I learned how to insulate properly without having a bunch of moisture issues inside the house. Um, so I've had a lot of issues, custom building that way. And now I apply all this to the multifamily sector and I'm able to also insulate the houses better, but they're more comfortable and they can hold moisture in or out. So, They seem to be, I just, I mean, I've I've learned a lot about insulation techniques from this house and it's very helpful in South Dakota specifically where it's very, very cold in the winter time.
0: Got it. So would would you share me any example that you have implemented in multifamily space, whatever you learned from, you know, Green Hope. Okay.
1: So we built a, it's called the Ben Franklin. It's at 420 main Avenue in Brookings, South Dakota. And it's a historical facade and we had to put a building on stilts basically through the building and so so we could put units above the historical with while still keeping intact the building so we use the green building techniques there to, and we used all the special foam called well, it's insulation. so you completely wrap the whole the whole unit in foam um and then we use some spray foam as well but uh that that building is insulated with very similar techniques as we use on the passive house, not quite the same, uh, quality. We used about three inches of foam where they used about 12 inches of foam. So that's one difference. I mean, I, we can't, it's not justifiable to go as far as they went because it was a research project, but those principles were definitely used. And then I also incorporated them on some custom homes that I've done, but I I also, uh, we went to spray foaming all the ceilings as well because of the moisture issues that we were having in some units.
0: Got it. Got it. Yeah. And, and you, you have experience in building homes, duplexes and apartments. Share me like why you, you moved from, you know, duplexes to apartments.
1: Um the customer mainly. So when you're building custom homes, the reason why I moved from duplexes to apartments was that the duplexes were just for me. And that's, I was just learning. So as soon as I learned how to build something bigger, I just moved on and built something bigger. Um, but duplexes are still something great. They're great to build and own and keep. Um, but custom homes, I quit building the custom homes because of the how much the customer demanded of my time. And I wanted to be more passive. So I switched to multifamily. Now I deal mainly with investors. And investors understand that time is valuable, uh, that it's not a big deal. And investment's not near as big of a deal to them as a custom house is to the, the homeowner that's building it. And I just don't have the level of customer service that's required to take care of those people. And it's just very time consuming. So that's that's why I moved on. I just wanted my time back and I wanted, I wanted to keep everything I was building as well because that's the that's the most benefit if you can build it and keep it yourself or when you can own it and keep it rather than selling your real estate it's much much better
0: got it so and you're focusing all these developments in south dakota or any other markets
1: um yeah i'm mainly focusing on development in south dakota because i'm here locally and i can keep an eye on it and there's a lot of moving parts and you have to have a lot of relationships um so if i'm an owner in it i can help provide a network of relationships If if one is needed, which they always other people are always needed in the process because, you know, some people are busy here, there, and they just can't quite get to it. Well, we have other additional contacts now that we can bring in. So that's why I like to develop in the South Dakota area. And then I buy I buy more passively in the Phoenix area, Atlanta and Florida markets.
0: Got it. So from development point of view, what kind of challenges you have experienced? Oh, everything. Any kind of challenge you can imagine you're going
1: to have in development. But you, you know you get the best land and you get the, a brand new building on the best land. And hopefully you, you design that building very well. And you have a really, really long-term asset. The, the challenges, though, are they're everywhere from financing. First, you got to sell your vision, right? So you got to sell your vision. And when you're first trying to sell your vision on development, you haven't really done that much people don't really believe you about anything. So you have to build it and show them. Once you get a reputation, it's a little easier to sell your vision because they can't really see your vision, but at least they understand. They know what you've done in the past and they think you're going to do something similar, something kind of cool. So you first have to sell your vision to the people in the city and everyone around for you to build something, usually, because people don't like change that much. Uh, There are times though, if you go into blighted areas where people really appreciate what you're doing. But even sometimes when you're doing that, you know, it can be, they think it could be gentrification and some people don't like that. So there's numerous challenges just with before you even get started with are the people even going to allow me to develop what I want to develop. Um, and I think to me, those are the hardest challenges and those are the biggest ones. And that's why peop- most people don't develop is because their plans, just their vision gets you know, poo-pooed on so quickly. But um, you have to remember, no one really understands what you're saying because most people don't have vision. So you have to actually build it and show them. And that's the best way to build your reputation. And then there's always challenges with building. Like right now there's tons of inflation. So you're trying to manage that and you're trying to juggle all kinds of different subs. There's labor shortages. You know, we're dealing with sheetrock shortages. Like North, like last year, this thing would have been stocked. I don't know, three weeks ago, two weeks ago. And we can't really get, we can only get six units out of the 12 sheet. We can only get sheetrock there for that many Think they're having labor shortage issues. No one wants to carry heavy drywall, which that makes sense. So yeah, they're they're having, you know, materials are going up, specifically any type, anything with metal. So all your wiring and your plumbing is expensive, piping is expensive. So all the costs are going up and it's harder to it's just getting harder and harder to develop. But that also means that your assets are worth more and more money. So you just got to keep pushing through it. And as long as you're capable, you can handle any challenge. So if, as long as you, you know, you keep pushing your vision and and what you believe in eventually it's going to happen. If you're really persistent and don't give up, but development takes a ton of persistence and you just, you can't let people get you down because most people will tell you that what you're doing is crazy if it's worth doing anyways.
0: Got it. And you mentioned uh, labor, labor shortage and also cost of materials are going up. So how exactly are mitigating those kind of risks or you know, costs?
1: Well, we're mitigating them now with massive rent increases. Um, but with those, you know, massive rent increases come increase of evaluations and higher taxes. So, you know, you we just have to keep raising everything at the rate everything's going up to be able to afford it. Um, we also lock in tons of material super early and pre-buy as much stuff as we can because it's also hard to get. So we want to make sure we have it in time, but then we want to make sure and buy it as a, as a cheaper price because our loans are still at a cheap interest rates. So we can buy this stuff now and hold it at four percent versus before we would never do that. You know, we we would just buy it when needed, but. If it holds up your project for a week, well, you lost a ton of money and interest. And the farther along the project gets and the more that you have delays at the end, the more interest there is to pay. So um, I mean, I guess that, you know, that that's why you got to nip these things in the bud right away. But we like to have stuff on hand. We never want to slow the progress of the project down. And that's the most important thing is to constantly keep progress moving forward. Don't ever stop it. I feel like it's always more dangerous to stop once you start, if you stop progress, than it is to just continue and i've had progress stopped on job sites before and it always when you look back at it would have been better to keep going through it
0: yeah got it so would you also share some best best experience from development side
1: best experience yeah um one of the cool things is like when people call you and tell you that your project is looking really cool while it's being built that's really exciting and that's been happening to me lately on a project here in Brookings that's really cool because you know it's in a really nice neighborhood and when people you know tell you that you're improving the neighborhood that's kind of the goal of architecture is a public art form so getting to create that and then having people actually enjoy it is uh really rewarding so that's probably the best experience of developing is when people really appreciate what you put there
0: got it and now like a lot of hype going around build to rent stuff so what is your view on that
1: Built to rent. Well, I can tell you, if we would have built to rent, the we just built a we built out a seventy-two house, not affordable. It wasn't quite affordable, but it was close. It was like a starter home community, a little bit nicer than starter home community. And if we had somehow figured out how to keep those homes and rent them until the entire development was done, and then sell it, we would have made instead of making five hundred thousand, we would have made like five million. We have 10x our profit by figuring out how to hold on to the to the real estate and sold in five years versus selling them as we built them. So building to rent, I'm a, I'm an advocate of it um, because I think what you have when you're done, you have a massive community that you could easily liquidate back into the marketplace, and it's meeting another need, which is affordable housing. So, you know, it's sort of affordable. Not quite the really nice built-to-rent communities I've seen. They're not necessarily affordable, but they're still cheaper than large, you know, houses or, uh, you know, they're they're still a little bit cheaper. So it does tend to be affordable because when you're renting it, the metrics have to be it has to at least break even or cash flow a little bit. I mean, that's normally the goal. Um, so we, when you build at that that market, it tends to be closer to affordable housing. So I feel like they're I feel like they're great for everyone, and it's housing that is very very much needed and I don't think that much of that style of housing gets built for sale right into a community right away' because it's not profitable to build that stuff and sell it back in the community and most of way around here anyways, that's what we found out but i think that building houses and selling them right away is just not a way to make money it's much much more profitable to really keep it and hold on to those houses
0: got it and how do you see multifamily space next five to 10 years?
1: Well, I see multifamily as just apartments. You know, that's all they are. Been, they've been here forever. Where are they going? They're going to be here. I don't know what the cap rates are going to be. I don't know none of that stuff. I don't try to pretend to know. But from my experiences, real estate has always gone up. And if you can hold it through any dips, you're going to be just fine. And it's not the actual value of the real estate going up. It's, the, it's your money is just being devalued. So people want to say that it's, you know, real estate's going up too fast, but real estate's not even really going up. It's just your money's being devalued and real estate is staying at at a value. It actually has a value. So it's just staying steady and all your money around you is technically losing value.
0: Got it. Got it. Sure. So what are you excited about now? What am I excited about now? Yep. I'm kind of
1: excited about doing some sort of affordable housing with, um, container homes, because I don't see anything. I don't see anything being affordable until we learn how to 3d print houses out of plastic until that happens. I don't see anything affordable because there's still still too much labor involved in every house. So printing a 3d house now with concrete, there's just as much. That's not, that's like a tiny, tiny portion of the house is the walls. That's like such a minuscule amount of the house that it doesn't really save you any time.
0: So, what do you think? When exactly that will come into picture?
1: I don't know. Whenever people, you you mean, how long till? What would it take till humans would want to live in a plastic dome? You know, probably a long time. I mean, maybe you get space. If it's the sum that you actually have a lot of space in, so then it's something that's really viable for a lot of people. I don't know. It seems pretty inhuman, inhuman though, to live in something like that. So as long as you can afford it, you're not going to live in it. I don't think.
0: Yeah. How about 3D printing stuff?
1: Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about 3D printing stuff um, It's with plastic though. I'm talking about what has to be with plastic because if you 3D printed a house out of plastic, you wouldn't really, it would be insulated. It would be, um, it's strong. It's structural. You'd be like, a, you know, like a dollhouse. You could build the structure into the shape. Um, it'd be, it'd be super easy. You could put all the plumbing, you could print all the plumbing and everything right into the house versus how they do it now. You still got to add all that. So you could actually print the house instead of just print part of the house. I think you'd only have to come in and put in windows, but maybe they have a printer that would do glass. So until you get to that point, and I don't know how long that is. Maybe that's 10 years, maybe technology accelerates faster, but maybe it's 20 years would be more realistic, probably. But I don't know where I don't know where 3D printing technology is. But I I think it's more in the attitude of the homeowner. Are they going to be willing to live in something like that?
0: Got it. Yeah, it's a great conversation. Any anyone advice that impacted your life?
1: Oh, anybody that gave me advice that impacted my life? Yeah. Oh man, I there's I get advice from everyone all the time, so it's hard to like point out specific advice. But I'd say like probably reading the book, uh, Marcus the Marcus Aurelius, uh, the Stoic book, which was his best book, Meditations. The Meditations of by Marcus Aurelius. That has the best life advice ever because it kind of makes you okay with, you know, you shouldn't get offended about stuff. And you should understand that anyone that's talking about you is really talking about themselves. Um, and if you can not like remove yourself from the emotional world, then you can, it's really easy to win because you can see it more as a game. So that's probably the best base advice that you, that I would think someone could start with if they're trying to expand their mindset. That's what I'd go with is that book. It's not an easy read, but if you read it kind of as your toilet book where you read 15 minutes a day, every day for a long time until you got a base of knowledge, it'd be pretty good.
0: Cool. And how are you giving back to community?
1: Well, I'm involved with mainly I just uh, do business stuff, I guess. I try to help tons of entrepreneurs. I try to provide opportunities to make it easier for them or give them advice. That's the mainly how I help my community is probably through entrepreneurs. So because I have I try to improve the downtown area through improving buildings and then bringing in more like we've helped. We've got some different restaurants started and, you know, we, we got a new bike shop in town and things like that. And let's see, how else do I give back? I just try to help anyone that needs help so anyone that like approaches me and try to make their day a little better. I think that's like one of the best ways that you can help if you can just improve people's moods around you then you can kind of lift lift the spirit of your community eventually.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yep. And how can listeners can connect with you, Dustin?
1: Uh I would just go to my website mailboxmoneyre.com and that has my investor portal, uh it has current projects, old projects, has our LinkedIn feed. We have a YouTube channel or something that has got some videos on it. So we, we have quite a bit of content for people that want to start. If they're looking to start real estate, um, I give out quite a bit of free advice.
0: Good. And thank you. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you for, for adding value to the show. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Sure. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.